So when you are under-resourced and stressed and your resilience is cracking down and you're breaking down and you need to build that resilience, one of the only things that's been actually shown to improve on your level of resilience is asking for help, asking for support. Welcome to the Business Ownership Podcast, brought to you by Awareness Strategies, helping you navigate the waters between entrepreneurship and ownership. Hey there, peeps. This is Michelle Nedlek, and I'm super glad that you're here with us today because I am here with my most amazing guest, Kate. Kate, thank you so much for being here with us today. Hey, Michelle. Thanks for having me. I am delighted. So tell us who you are and a quick introduction to your business. What do you do? I am a burnout expert. I know all the things about burnout. I've done years of research, my own and other people's. To, to get where I am. And I use that information to root out burnout in teams and people, corporate offices, individuals, whoever, through keynotes, podcasts, books, and coaching. I love it. So no irony here that I'm doing a podcast with this. <laughs> no irony. No, nope, nope. no irony. We're just going to roll with that and pretend it was the plan. Exactly. We're just here to demonstrate some things for you. <laughs> awesome. But let's so- just put it on the record that I did say offer a reschedule. <laughs> okay. I'm just going to throw that out there. As the burnout Absolutely. expert, you said you had a sore throat and I said, listen. <laughs> We can reschedule. We can reschedule. And I and I honestly thought I should be doing all the little blue pill uh, ones today because I have the deep, sultry voice. So it's like, it would have been perfect. <laughs> perfect. <laughs> all good. All good. So let's back up the bus a little bit. And uh, how did you get into all of this? My initial career was as an acupuncturist. I did a master's degree in Chinese medicine. I finished that in 2007, moved promptly to Europe, where my then fiance um, is from, was living. Stayed there for 12 years doing acupuncture, saw anywhere between 25 and 30,000 people, not this, some people I saw, you know, a hundred times. So this is not that many people, but that many appointments. And during that time, I was probably burnt out for about six of those years without really realizing what was going on. When I found out what was going on, I was horrified and embarrassed, right? I'm As an acupuncturist, when you learn Chinese medicine, the only thing that you're taught, not this is an exaggeration, it's a four-year master's degree, so this is not the only thing you're taught, but the thing that the, the basis of everything you learn is that there are different ways that stressors affect the body, and this is how the body responds. You finish acupuncture school, you finish with a master's degree in Chinese medicine, and you are automatically a stress expert. Because it's how they viewed the body, how they viewed systems, how they viewed Mm. relationships. So it was really embarrassing to me to have found myself in a place that was due to mismanaged stress. Like I had this life that I loved. I followed this job that I loved. I dropped out of med school to do Chinese medicine. I met somebody on vacation and got engaged and married. I did. I moved to another country. Like I'm living the life. What the hell? Right. And then, and then once I realized what was going on, cause I had gone through some, I didn't know if I had chronic fatigue And then I I had some thyroid issues and then I gained a bunch of weight and then I was able to lose it again, but then I still wasn't feeling good and I was angry all the time. And 
I finally realized it's burn. I read an article one day and you know, when you read something and you know, it's super true and your whole body goes, Oh my God, that's it. Yes. When they're writing you an know? article about you from top yeah, to bottom. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I went, I read that article in 2016 and I was like, Oh my God, this is what's happening to me. And at that point I said, okay, well, I need to figure out how to fix it. And I started out DIYing it because <laughs> I DIY everything part of burnout. As you know, you should know, right? Quote, right. Quote, shape, exactly. Shape. Exactly. <laughs> that did not last very long. One of the initial things that I did was download every single piece of re research that had been done on burnout at that point. In Since that time, in the last six years, it has more than quadrupled the amount of research that's available. At the time, I had about a year's worth of information to get through. My husband was studying at... Cambridge in the UK doing a postgraduate degree. And that meant I had access to their university library. So I literally downloaded yeah. all the academic research that I could. And I took a year to read through it. And it was really quick that I was noticing that there's a certain pattern. Almost all of the research has been done in corporations and hospitals. And I was like, huh. things Not make you go. Hmm. Mm -hmm. Not a doctor. I'm not a nurse. I'm not a corporate worker. And I have worked for myself since I started working. So, and because, and all those things were saying, well, it's the hospital system's fault. It's the organization's fault. And I was like, but I'm the organization. <laughs> the bad boss, bad boss. Yeah. Like <laughs> what? And this, the, what they were trying to show were the components in a workplace that can increase your risk for experiencing burnout. Valid information, still valid information, important information. Glad we have that research. But there is this massive gap saying, what about stay-at-home mothers? What about entrepreneurs? What about, I mean, that we could go on and on. Teachers. Like, there's a million people that don't fit into these categories so I started to work with other people first. I was going to say I started to think through. No, I did not. I hired a therapist and a coach. <laughs> a lot of people that go through this kind of work say, oh, I do this work now because I wanted to be make sure that you can get through it faster than I did because I did it all by myself. I don't really believe that you can truly get through burnout all by yourself because part of getting through burnout is, is re-regulating your nervous system. And part of re-regulating your nervous system is being with other people, is co-regulating with other people. So it doesn't even make sense to recover from burnout by yourself. So I am not that coach. I am not that expert. I did not do this alone. I did it with the exact kind of support that I offer people now. And I do that because I know it was useful. Right. So, and I can't I, tell you how many times I'm just going to yeah. iterate on this one because I see so many times therapists of all sorts, healers of all sorts, people that are at doctors are that yes. are in the know that are going like, I should know this. And yeah. what we don't understand is that part of the human essence, like when Maslow came up with his hierarchy, hierarchy of needs, needs and we need to be part of a group, 
for the longest time, I was like, oh, bullshit, I can do this all myself. <laughs> and I did it all myself. And then I realized, hey, I can't do it all myself. There is an essence of which we need to have somebody else's filters look at our stuff from their perspective so that we can get that feedback. Whether we choose to buy into it or not is relevant, but we still need to have that outside perspective in order to be able to look in at our stuff because we just, we buy into our own stuff too much and we can't and we not things. because that's how we exist. <laughs> yeah. Well, and in addition to that, the only behavior that has been proven to increase your resilience is asking for help. <laughs> and it increases your resilience, not by actually changing anything in your nervous system right away, but by increasing your access to resources. Right. Right. Just say that sentence again, because I think so many people just went, huh? What'd she say? <laughs> so when you are under-resourced and stressed and your resilience is cracking down and you're breaking down and you need to build that resilience. One of the only things that's been sh actually shown to improve on your level of resilience is asking for help, asking for support. The reason that this helps is because it increases your access to resources. This is how we used to live in communities. Communities didn't used to be more than 150 people-ish. And a lot of them were smaller than that. And everybody had a role. So a lot of this sort of life coaching now that says, you have a role to fulfill, like you're put on this earth for a reason. I believe that that's true. And I believe that it's much more practical than we're making it out to be. Like you literally have to exist for the rest of us. Because we rely on one another. And a lot of times when we're burnt out, there's a there's a undertone of a lack of fairness and injustice that you've been giving for a long time and you're not getting things back. But also you probably don't know how to receive. So that's a whole other conversation. But there's this like idea that you're doing things on your own that I think is a major fallacy. So if you're listening to this and you're like, but I did do everything on my own. I want you to roll it back, sister, for a second. I would just roll it back and think about the fact that you're probably listening to this, for instance, on your phone. So I want you to look at your phone for a second. Just stop. If you're walking or you just look at your phone for a second. And I want you to think about how many people had to exist in order for you to have that phone in your hands with all the apps on it right now. Just a guesstimate. How many people? Thousands. thousands and thousands. thousands. I mean, not to mention the fact that I wouldn't have my contact list without at least hundreds and hundreds. <laughs> right. Just for you to be able to listen to this right now, just for us to be able to produce it right now, my little office my home office is a six by six walk-in closet that happens to have a window that I have made soundproof for my podcast. And it's a six by six room. Hundreds and thousands of people had to exist to supply all of the elements of things that exist in this six by six room. Right? So I say that, and I say this a lot with coaching clients, because what I want you to understand, dear listener, I know I told you to roll it back a minute ago. Now I'm going to be nice. I like play good, bad cop, good cop with myself. 
What I want you to realize is that you've never really truly been alone in anything. That's critical to know with burnout. I went off on a wild tangent just then. That was awesome. <laughs> it's all good. But I lost our train. I don't know where we were going. We were talking about what I did and why I got here and all of that. Yeah. How did I get into this? start with the back end of how you got into it. Four hours later. That's awesome. And and I think it's crucial for people to understand that there are certain kind of patterns to burnout as opposed to patterns to Lyme disease or patterns to, like you can have some of the same symptoms, but really when it comes hashing down, you got to look at what are the elements of burnout and- um, kind of what are the elements that contribute to it? So let's start with the symptoms and work our way down. What are some of the symptoms of burnout? If you want to call something burnout, the World Health Organization has this rule that says these three things have to be in place. So we'll start with that because that has we have to have some consensus with everybody that's talking about burnout. We have to have some central point where we meet. Currently, this is the central point. The World Health Organization says, and this is based on research by Christina Moslock and her team, Number one, physical and emotional exhaustion, which to me is like pretty much every symptom you could ever experience. But okay, sure. We'll call it that umbrella, physical and emotional exhaustion. Number two is cynicism and detachment. I call this being negative Nancy. Sorry to Nancy's out there. It just happens to alliterate well. And number three is feeling that your work is not impactful or that you're unable to be productive or both. So either you can still work, but it just doesn't feel like it has any value. It's not making any difference in the world. Or you literally just can't be productive. You can't get it done. So those three components must exist in order for us to say it's burnout. And I I want to draw attention to the fact that I'm saying say it's burnout and not diagnose it as burnout because burnout is not a diagnosis. It is currently an occupational hazard. Right. So just to make that super clear, when we go beyond that, the top things we see are headaches, neck and shoulder tension. So when we think about stress, what are we thinking about? Right. This is sort of like if you take a posture of stress. Yes, exactly. Right. We do that right away. And that's really, really common. I think in research that I did personally, it was over 70 percent of people are having either headaches and migraine or neck and shoulder tension during burnout. 70 percent of us. That's all of us. That's pretty much everybody. On top of that, you might be experiencing depression if you have a natural tendency toward depression. You might be experiencing anxiety if you have a national natural tendency toward anxiety. Some of us, we're all built a little different. That's okay. You're not going to probably have any libido. Your gut is going to be a mess in some way, shape, or form. Maybe you have IBS. Maybe you have constipation. Maybe you have bloating. Maybe you have, but something's not going to be quite right. You likely have some sort of chest discomfort, tightness, shallow breathing, sort of not a lot of good flow through the chest area. And that's just the beginning. Stress can wreak havoc on any system of your body. What I've found to be true through the lens of Chinese medicine is that A, some people have inherent weaknesses and the stress will affect you there. 
these can be genetic. They can be built in by nurture. So say your mother fed you too much sugar as a child, your digestive system is not going to be okay. So that's an option. It can also come into places where you had some sort of injury. So if you were traveling at some point and you got a massive bug and you were sick for three months after, which happens, then now your gut is going to be almost always at a higher risk for some sort of issue because it's now become a little bit weaker. Even, even if it's healed, even when you cut yourself and you heal, you still have a scar, right? It's, there's still something going on there. So if you were in a car accident and had whiplash, then probably one of your burnout symptoms is going to be neck tension and headaches, right? So there's a few like Chinese medicine helped me see that the stress will affect your body in the places where your body has the least integrity within itself. If that makes sense. Like the weakest chain. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. It'll go for the weak spot and break it down. Awesome. So we have these people that are running around and they're <laughs> getting really pissy with everybody. They're short tempered. They're yeah. carrying the weight of the world on their shoulders, both proverbially and in a physical response sort of way. And um, they're not being able to stomach kind of the world and the tensions. Yeah. <laughs> like to me, to me, the fun part is the, the lingo that we tend to use in our everyday vernacular tends to um, mirror and demonstrate physically what at is actually going on in our bodies so i think it's really important that when you're experiencing these kind of stressors that you start to pay attention to the kind of lingo you use especially when it comes to blaming other people or whatever and it's not that it's bad to blame other people so much as it is notice the words that you're using when you do it and go oh okay that means i'm really feeling it in this area i'm really feeling it wherever and then you can start to notice Hey, maybe all of these things are contributing to burnout. So, okay, we've got these people that are going around, they're going, okay, you've just described me to a T. Now what? <laughs> now just call Kate and <laughs> mic drop and we're off. How much here. time do we have? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> One of the first things that is very counterintuitive that I ask people to do is work on their resentment. And I love resent, it's my favorite emotion. I love resentment. It's like the best, most transformative, most powerful, loveliest emotion that you have that we are all ignoring and pretending that we don't have. But we know that you're having it because you opened the door for somebody. They walked by, they didn't say thank you. And you, you looked behind you as they walked in, you went, you're welcome. <laughs> We've all done it. It's, we're not judging you. We're just saying, we know you have it. Resentment comes up in those, that one person in your office that sends you that same email and you're like, what, what part of this did we not understand yet? What is going, what is happening here? When you have a somebody that emails you and as soon as they email you, your eyes roll, you have resentment <laughs> like this, the just, and everybody just had that person's face popped up in their head or their email name just popped up in their head. So and if you audibly grunt, go, ah. Yeah, exactly. Yes, exactly. That's just right? mine. I'm just yeah. saying. Yes. <laughs> that person. When we start really looking at resentment, what we find is this. The definition in Merriam-Webster is bitter indignation at having been treated unfairly. So we're looking at a lack of fairness and being mad about it. 
So we're back to this idea of I'm giving more than I'm getting, right? There's not enough reciprocity here. I'm alone. I'm doing more. I'm not getting. So we're back in that. What you'll find is everywhere you have a serious resentment, there is a boundary that is being crossed. Now, before we go pointing fingers, before we play the blame game, before we do that, we stop and say, which of these things that I'm real upset about could I stop doing today and probably no one would notice? Which of these things have to do with me meddling in a situation, with me thinking that I know better, with me helping when nobody really asked for my help? How many of these things can I simply step away from because I don't need to be involved with them? If it is not at least 10% of the list that you made, you're lying to yourself. And I will be very upfront about that. There's a good 10% of your life that you're mad about that you literally don't even have to do. Right? So that's where we start. The rest of the things we have to sort of play with. Do you have to do this thing? Can it be outsourced? Can can it be delegated to a software? Is there something, is there a better way to do it? Do you need a better tool? Do you need to have a conversation with somebody? Is there a boundary that's being violated from the outside? Because what we just talked about, all these things that you're involved in that you don't need to be involved in, those are internal boundaries. They don't have anything to do with anybody else. You're probably mad at some people about them, but it's probably not their fault. But there are people that you should be mad at. And those people require conversations, but those are external boundaries. That's a different thing. But working with resentment and asking yourself the right questions will bring you to a place where you know how to handle pretty much anything that's costing you too much energy in your life. Once you've done that, you have cleared yourself up of so much wasted energy that the rest of the tasks are so much easier. Nice. I love it. I love it. I love it. So give us an example of kind of the majority of your clients that are coming into you. Um, where are they coming from? What kind of things are they experiencing? All that kind of fun stuff. What's really interesting is that I have my clientele is um, either the breadwinner, a female breadwinner in a family who doesn't have the ability to leave her job because her partner is a stay-at-home parent and has the responsibility of taking care of the children. So that's a really frequent um, one-on-one client of mine. But when I'm doing keynotes and speeches, which is the core of my work, really, that's what I do most of the time. I am in women's erg groups for big corporations. I'm in women's leadership groups, uh, women's leadership networks, uh, associations that are focused on... uh, amplifying women's voices in the workplace and things like that. So those are the two sort of groups of people that I work with most frequently. Very cool. I'm just making notes, of course. <laughs> awesome. Uh, so so give us an example of one of a uh, Cinderella story of one of your clients. One of my favorite stories is, and I won't give too much detail, but the One of the things that we do after we work through resentment is look around your environment. When you're burnt out, 
your nervous system is dysregulated, which means you are reacting to more things in your environment as if they are dangerous than you need to be. So you're looking around, you're seeing things are unsafe and you're going into fight or flight mode and you're acting. That's a very, very bland description of what really happens, but it's the simplest way to say it. It's much more complicated than that in reality. And in that, when you're in that, one of the most important things that you need to create in your life is a sense of safety. You need to create it with people. You need to create it with things. You need to create it in your home. One of my clients, we couldn't even do the resentment at first. She would not, she could not admit to having any resent. She was like, I'm not resentful. And I was like, okay, we'll talk call three. <laughs> sure. <laughs> so we let it go. I let it go. We're not going to go there if you're not ready to go there. It doesn't make sense. And we started talking about her house because she had mentioned randomly that she bought new bowls. She said, I love these bowls. I'm so excited to come in. I said, what was wrong with your old bowls? She's like, oh, they're kind of ugly. They're not really very functional. Like I bought them because they were, you know, the crate and barrel or whatever expensive, whatever that everybody says you're supposed to have. And I just don't really like them. I said, well, I'm glad you're getting new ones. We started talking about more things. It turned out she hates towels. She hates her plates. She feels like she's going to hit her eye on her nightstand every night as she crawls into bed because it's a little bit too high and it's square shaped. And the, so we start going through this list of things just in her house that are riling up her whole system. And I was like, okay, well, first things first, you need to get rid of that nightstand and get around one that's lower than your bed, first of all. And she was like, did I just literally pay you thousands of dollars to tell me to buy a nightstand? And I was like, yes. yes. <laughs> and she did. And then she replaced the plates. And then she took the guest towels into her room so she didn't have to use the crappy towels anymore. And then she, and small things started shifting all the while while she learned her preferences and learned what made her feel good. And we went through our whole process. We finished. She was in a completely different place than when we started. It was a wonderful little three-month journey with her. Three months later, I got an email. It's like, Kate, I have to tell you. And at first my heart sinks. I'm like, oh no, what happened? You know, like this <laughs> negativity bias is strong in me too, folks, you know? And I was like, geez, what happened? And she was like, it just keeps getting better. <laughs> my life just keeps getting better. She's like, I said no to a few things. I realized that I could disappoint some people and they would still love me. My husband didn't tell me how upset he was about this whole burnout situation because I really sucked during that. But my relationship is better. And you know how much I love my house? Right. Right. Oh, and awesome. So we started with a nightstand <laughs> for burnout recovery. It sounds crazy, crazy. but your environment really yeah. matters. It totally does. And and, and a stupid story <laughs> to, to uh, exemplify this. So last year we bought a new house and it has a guest bathroom. Like we always had like the public bathroom, but we never had a guest bathroom. It's just a sink and a toilet in there. And it always struck me as really weird to use it because that was for guests. And my son goes, you're an idiot. <laughs> <It's your house. laughs> you know, yeah. you can go to the bathroom and you could go in the sink if you want to. It's your house. <laughs> you whatever you want. And right. Like, the rules oh that we God, put in. so place. stupid. Like, right. <laughs> the rules we put it. I had somebody tell me that she, um, we were talking about this exact thing. And she said, oh, I, I have all the nice soaps in my guest bathroom. Like, why? I said, what? 
how how often do you have guests? She was like, oh, maybe once or twice a year. I said, take the nice soaps into your bathroom. She said, well, then everybody will use them. I said, well, then go use the guest bathroom with the nice soaps. There are so many solutions to this problem. Like, right. and how expensive is this soap really? Could you just like upgrade what you use a little bit and not worry about everybody using it? Like, <laughs> right? Like, what's going is it on? got gold flakes in it? Yeah, like, what's happening here? <laughs> they have really That's schmancy nice. stuff at Home Goods. Right. Well, and I think, you know, when when I grew up, you know, most people had the the family room and then they had the living room and the living room was for guests and you weren't allowed in the living room. And in my family, it wasn't so much that we couldn't go in the living room, but my mom came from money. And so there were rules that, you know, you abide by. And there was millennia of them and there were some of them were really stupid, <laughs> like your guest yes. bathrooms for guests. Or, exactly. you know, that's presidential suite. It's for presidents. It's like, my no. fucking house. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Language, but it's my exactly. podcast. Like, it's where I do. <laughs> I have that in my book. I write about the fact that you have to, when you go through burnout recovery, one of the things that you will have to do at some point is go through your inherited values and check in with whether or not they actually work for you. Nice. Because they might not. Probably don't. Just saying. <laughs> they pro- probably, don't. probably don't. Maybe a couple. Awesome. So we, we went through some of the symptoms, but what are some of the stumbling blocks that somebody might be having in their life and they're going, oh my God, Caitlin, I need you. I think that the stumbling block is burnout itself. I said this in the beginning and I'll, I'll say it again. I don't think people should do burnout recovery by themselves. I don't think it's a smart choice because of the way our nervous systems work. It's really hard to get in all the correct sensory information when you're doing it by yourself. So I think that burnout is the stumbling block. Go get help now. I don't even, honestly, I love my job, but I don't care if it's me. I want you to get support. I love that. So I know our listeners are going to want more from you. How do they start their journey with you? The best place to go is always straight to the podcasts, friedtheburnoutpodcast.com. There are 170 episodes of goodness. Some of them are just with me. Some of them are just with my co-host, Sarah. And some of them are, well, over half of them are with guests telling their stories, how they recovered. And from there, you can get links to all the things. I love it. We will, of course, have all of those in the show notes and you can go to awarenessstrategies.com slash blog and look for Kate or Donovan or Burnout or Fried. <laughs> You'll probably find her. <laughs> awesome. So Kate, I have to ask you, at what point in life did you know that you're a special kind of crazy enough to think that you could become an entrepreneur? Can I say that always? Yeah, always. Of course. My father was an entrepreneur. Okay. So I was taught, I used to Saturday mornings, I would go to gymnastics and then I would go to my father's car garage and I would organize his invoices. Fun. And there was a lot of talk. My parents valued time more than money. So we didn't have a lot of money, (laughs) 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 but I did see them a lot. And one of the things that we talked about so frequently was controlling your income having control over what you can bring in. And I, every time I go into this phase, because every entrepreneur, and if you don't do this, you're lying. Every entrepreneur has this moment that you're like, I should just look for a job. 
I should just, I'm just, I'm just going to scan the LinkedIn list and indeed real quick, just to see if there's anything. And then you find something and it's really interesting and you see the pay and you're like, I can't do it. I can't, I can't work full time for that. I'm sorry. I can't do that. You know? So I think this uh, inability for me to give someone else control over the amount of money that I make made it impossible for me to be an employee. I love that. One of my favorite memes was I sent out on LinkedIn. All of a sudden I got this little thing at the top. It says McDonald's is hiring. You, you'd have a great position. <laughs> I sent it out to everybody going, Hey, LinkedIn things I qualified for. McDonald's <laughs> I bet you'd move awesome. up really fast. <laughs> right. <laughs> that was awesome. So in your entrepreneur, entrepreneurial journey give us an example of a, a mistake you might have made that you can totally laugh at now or something that might have been embarrassing that you think is really funny now listen <laughs> every day <laughs> <laughs> yeah like where should I start honestly I should have titled my book fried the burnout book and I wanted the book to be really clever and it's called the bounce back ability factor and every time I'm on a podcast or in front of a group of a thousand people on a stage, the person reading it is always like, and the author of the bounce ability, bounce, but uh, the back ability, back bounce ability factor. <laughs> like, I think I should have named it that just for this reason. <laughs> That's like, hilarious. It was a, it's, a, it's not a good name. I thought it was clever. It's hard for people to remember. Nobody's looking for it. It's, it was it was a bad choice. I will likely relaunch the book at some point with a different name because it's just it was a bad idea. <laughs> That's hilarious, though. <laughs> this is awesome. Okay, you've been absolutely fantastic. Thank you so much for your time. I appreciate it immensely. Any last words for our peeps? Thank you so much for having me. I think my last words would be, if there has been a level of stress that created a stress load in your life that was too much for you to handle, that's not your fault. We all have different innate abilities to handle various levels of stress. And some of it is literally genetic and epigenetic. You can't control how much stress you can handle. You don't control that. So if it got to be too much and it wore you down a little, give yourself a little bit of grace. It's not your fault and get some help. Love it. Peeps, this is Michelle Nedlek. Thank you for being here with us today. Be sure to subscribe to the show and join our Facebook group, The Business Ownership Secrets to Scaling. We love to connect with you and help you grow. Thank you for listening to our show. I'm all about being a resource center for entrepreneurs to give them the information and the support that they need to make it in business. As such, the notes for this show can be found at our website at awarenessstrategies.com slash blog. Be sure to subscribe, give us a rating, I like five stars personally, and share with your friends.